Welcome to Vows to Keep Radio with David and Tracy Sellers. The mission of Vows to Keep is to help couples develop a biblically healthy marriage through the application of God's Word and a deeper relationship with Him. They desire to help you and your spouse grow closer to each other and closer to the heart of God's design for your marriage. Now, here's David and Tracy with today's broadcast. Rest. Oh, the perfect antidote to our crazy busy lives. The escape we crave so we can finally recharge. What do you think of this quote that I recently read? We get so wrapped up in all of our activities that we forget to rest. Have you forgotten to rest? When was the last time that you rested? What did it look like? Was it satisfying? Did it give you what you needed to keep going for the next mile? If you're burned out and looking for a change that's going to affect every aspect of your life, including your marriage, join us today on Vows to Keep Radio. Getting the rest you need is not only possible, God himself is the creator of rest. He wants to give it to you in abundance. In this episode, we're going to study two different kinds of rest that Jesus offers and practically how we can begin the process of shifting from crazy busy to true rest. It's our prayer that by the end of this series, you'll be free from the burnout, free to rest, the way that God designed you to be. So stay with us for the next half hour for Vows to Keep Radio, the show where you get sound biblical counsel that you can apply immediately to your marriage. We're your hosts, David and Tracy Sellers of Vows to Keep. We're biblical marriage counselors, authors, teachers, podcast hosts, conference speakers. And if you want to get back to being on fire for your spouse and for God, we're glad you're here with us today. There's a new trend that's getting a lot of attention and It's what I would kind of call the seize the day mindset. I find myself doing it at work constantly. It's having a plan of action to stay perpetually in Monday morning beast mode so that we can get all the things done. Now, I've personally put on my superhuman cape a few times in the past, and I tend to only last about a week in that mode. Sometimes my gumption will take me a couple months into it, depending on the goal that I have. But sooner or later, I find the end of myself. And I start to feel burned out. You know what that feels like. But the effects of burnout might be different for you than they are for me. Now, here's some of mine. So when I feel burned out, I feel frustrated that I'm always just so busy. I feel defeated because I've got this looming deadline and I just can't meet it. And the people who live with me know I get grumpy because I just start going through the motions. My joy is totally gone. I even turn down opportunities to do things that I used to enjoy because I just don't have the want to anymore. And sadly, sometimes I even turn into a robot in my own marriage. My relationship with my spouse becomes another task, just like everything else. My life gets measured by me in numbers and calendars. And I wonder, why do I feel this way? And then I look at my calendar and it suddenly becomes super clear. I haven't planned enough downtime. I just need more rest. I need physical, mental, emotional rest. So I hear this quote that David just said, we We've forgotten to rest and that sounds good. That tickles my ears because now I have permission to set out to accomplish everything I want to as long as I can squeeze in a little rest here and a little rest there. If I do that, well, gosh, I can have it all. I can muscle through. I can reach my goals as long as I carve out me time. Oh, how easily I can be deceived by my own self. How about you? Today on Vows Keep Radio, we're going to propose that most of us actually don't forget to rest. We push for all of the things in life until we get so burned out that we pretty much have to demand rest. 
And because so many people feel burnout, now everyone wants to be the expert for solutions to that problem. And people are looking for those solutions. Rest has interestingly enough become an umbrella term with actually quite a few categories underneath. No longer is rest simply just getting more sleep. That's what my dad would have said. Now there's emotional rest. There's mental rest. There's also social rest, creative rest, spiritual rest, and sensory rest. More ways to rest? Most of us would say, yeah, cool. I can't wait. In our next episode, we're actually going to break down each of these categories and test their validity. We're going to examine their value and their place in our lives. But first, I don't know about you, but I don't want to start with some stranger's opinion of rest or how to deal with burnout. I want to know about God's definition. I want to more clearly understand the pattern of rest that I see that he created from the very beginning of time. He rested. He actually asked you and I to rest. The thing is, I've tried to rest and I still feel burned out. So it's high time I ask God to show me what am I missing, Lord? Our key verse for this series on burnout is probably the one that pops into your mind first when you think about verses on rest. It's one a lot of us have heard. And last week, we actually asked you to start to memorize this. It's Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, where Jesus is talking straight to us. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, you can't tell from first glance, but there's actually two kinds of rest, two types of rest talked about in these verses. When the Bible was translated into the English language, the two different forms of rest were given just one word, rest. To our untrained eye, it looks like there's just one type talked about here. We use the word rest when we describe things like de-stressing, going on vacation, taking a drive, going to sleep, just having some time to think. But is that the kind of relief from burnout that God has planned for us? Well, let's break down this scripture and find out. The first time rest is used in this passage, it's in verse 28. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation to everyone every person that was ever created, he is offering eternal rest. It's a call to put our faith in him, to receive salvation through Christ's work on the cross. It's Christ saying, Tracy, come to me, bring your baggage, bring your brokenness, bring that heavy weight you've been carrying, all the sin and leave it at my feet because I'm going to take care of it for all eternity. You don't have to bear under the weight of your sin. So I put my faith in Jesus and now he's saying, I'm going to be your savior forever. He takes on the burden of my sin for the rest of my life so that I can live with him forever. It's a future kind of rest that I have security in right now. If you didn't get a chance to listen to last week's broadcast, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. I talked about two oxen pulling a plow, and this is a biblical picture that Jesus gives us. We become permanently and gloriously yoked to grace When Jesus becomes our savior, Jesus says into my ear, David, I've got this. Exchange this yoke of sinful self-indulgence for my yoke of grace because my yoke is easier. My burden is lighter. My righteousness carries and will always carry the weight of your unrighteousness. Now, if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, you shouldn't expect to have a heart of rest. If you've not surrendered your heart to him and asked him to be your savior, You can do that right now. That tug, that pull you feel in your heart, it's him. 
inviting you into a real relationship, not just a head knowledge, but a relationship. So say yes, and you will be yoked to him forever. There is such sweet freedom in receiving that eternal rest that no one can take away from you. We find that in John 10, 28. Now, if you've done that, you've trusted Jesus to be your savior, but you still feel the burn. You are worn out. You might be saying, okay, what gives? Why do I still not feel at rest? That question is what we're going to spend the rest of our time today talking about. So let's look at that second time Jesus uses the word rest in Matthew eleven twenty nine and 30. He says it this way, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 29 takes a shift to a different form of rest. It's that soul rest. That's a rest that we don't have to wait for. It is now. It's freedom from the burden of life that we've placed on ourselves. We've already given him the baggage of our sin. Our eternity is secure. Our hearts and conscience can now rest. But he says, okay, here's what you need to do next. Verse 29 is very specific. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And I love that because this is the life altering part for us and our marriages. Letting Jesus train us, letting Jesus teach us his way of living life. After all, in Christ, we are new creations. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we, we know that. We know it's true. So we should expect some pretty major shifts in the way that we think and the way that we speak and respond and make decisions because we are new creations in him. He's saying, let me teach you my way of doing things. And because I want you to copy what I do, because I want you to imitate me, I want to help you to get to know me better. Think about this. It's like me and David when we started dating. I had to get close to him. I had to spend lots of time with him. I had to watch how he treated people, see how he reacted in lots of situations before I wanted to give my whole heart to him. Now, if I'm going to trust God to that degree, even getting to the point where I ask him to evaluate all these other things that I've yoked myself to, which by the way, some of those things I loathe, yet I do anyway. Some of my yokes I love and I don't want him to take away. If I'm going to get to that point, then I'm going to have to really know him. And he knows this about me. So he tells me right here in verse 29, who he is. He says, I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. Someone who's gentle and humble is someone who is ready to serve, not be served. That is quite an attitude. Jesus' call to us is in such contrast to our world today that demands we do everything in pride, stepping on anyone who gets in our way. Jesus doesn't demand us to come to him. He's meek. He's lowly, gentle, and humble. That's his character. He's saying, I serve my heavenly father with all that I am, and I want to teach you to do the same, not to make you a slave, but to give you freedom from burnout as you serve our heavenly father like I do. I hope you hear the contrast here. The world says there's freedom in taking the world by storm and being the man with a plan, a plan that pleases you. Jesus says we're going to be happiest and at peace in our hearts when we do life like he did, in service to a greater kingdom than our own. We're either here for our kingdom or we're here working in pursuit of God. So there's really not a lot of middle ground, and we, we try to cheat it, but it doesn't work. Listen as we read a few verses from Romans 6. See if you can pinpoint who you're serving from the way that Paul describes this. In Romans 6, I'm going to start in verse 11. It says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Therefore, 
do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. That's an amazing picture. It goes on to say, for sin shall no longer be your master. And that's a very important word because you're not under the law, but now under grace, the verse says. Verse 16 continues, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you're slaves of the one you obey, whether you're slaves to sin, which of course leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. So who are you yoked to? Who are you obeying? This is what Jesus is asking us in Matthew 11. There's a clear message in this passage that we can't miss if we're really ready for some change, for the burnout that we feel and the effect that it's having on our lives, our health, our families, our marriages. Paul says in the very next verse that he's using human analogies to get his point across, this concept of masters and slaves. We get that because we can picture it. This isn't about whipping someone into action or someone forcing us to do something against our will. This is about our hearts. This is about allegiance. And I see in these scriptures that there are two options for us. Number one, we can be slaves to sin and our human desires. And that's going to be natural for all of us. And if we choose that yoke, I know how hard it's going to feel because I've done it hundreds of times. It feels impossible to get out from under. And even though I know this, I still somehow believe that if I just get enough rest for myself, that the slavery I'm in isn't really that bad. And eventually it will lead to the freedom that I want. Well, then there's the second option to be obedient to Christ, letting him lead and guide me, change me from the inside out, join him where he's working and listen to that call where he says, come and be yoked with me. Let me be your master. And when I'm your master, you're going to let me teach you. And we left you with this thought to ponder as we were wrapping up part one of this series. If you're tired, sit down, take a nap, take a bath, go to bed early, but first ask yourself, what am I actually worn out from? And we gave you some homework, which is to keep a written log for a week of every time you felt burned out and overwhelmed, just to write down, what were you doing? What were you thinking in that moment? And then write down next to that one or two words of why you were doing and thinking that particular thing. Where we were going was revealing what are you serving and what thoughts, what motivations are making you want to serve that? Who are you yoked up to in that moment? That's really the question we're asking. And then what kind of rest did you pursue to compensate for being yoked to that thing? Now, if I'm honest, most days, it's not a desire to let God lead me that motivates me. You see, you're probably like me, striving to please myself. That's more what's wearing me out. Sometimes it's striving to please someone else to get their approval. More rarely, it's striving to please God. But we've got to realize he is already in love with me. He is already pleased with me. So which one of these things do you find influencing your decision the most? The core motivation for each of these is self. It's me, myself, and I. And if I've let self-performance or performance for God or performance for others affect me this way, boy, guess what? It is affecting your marriages. But I hope you can also see that our gentle and humble Savior, he calls out to us in our moment of great distress. You see, I'm in a covenant relationship with him. He wants all of my heart, and same with you. If I give my heart away to other things, 
Well, there's not enough for him. God is saying, I want all of you, David, but instead I do just enough to try to keep him in the picture sometimes, drawing that line at letting him be Lord, but still having a divided heart. And Jesus is asking us, no, do not have a divided heart. Give your full allegiance to God for his glory, for our good, to build his kingdom and at the same time free us from the burden of building our own. It may seem like in your crazy life that you don't have a choice in how your day unfolds. But over this series, we really hope to help you pull back the lens and look at a bigger picture of your life. Most days, I only look at the task that's just right in front of me, the next decision to be made, and I forget how I got there in the first place. Decisions that land us in our burned out state of living always stem from what's in our hearts first. I can choose to sign my kids up for every sport and every after school activity there is, but What am I believing in my heart that makes me go to that extreme? I can work to please an unpleasable boss at the expense of having time with my wife. That is something I'm guilty of. But are we really a victim of busyness? I mean, I'd say no, actually. Often, I am destined to be burned out for the rest of my life because I'm multitasking for all of the wrong reasons. My focus isn't where it needs to be. I'm working on making someone else happy. I'm working on keeping up with other people. And if I've made that the gauge of my confidence, guess what? You will always find yourself worn out. If the answer is yes to any or all of these things, and let me be very frank with you, the answer is yes for me to almost all these, that tells me I'm carrying a lot of weight that I was never intended to bear. I need to change yokes, and so do you. Because I want to go from crazy busy to true rest. How about you? So what's the process? How do we get really practical about this and begin to make an amazing transition? Let's talk through the first three of five things that we can do to begin that shift before we end today. And then we'll pick up where we leave off in the next episode. This is a very followable step-by-step guide to walk through. And like I said earlier, we're going to need to do this repeatedly. So I'm going to put this in the show notes so that you can reference it. The 30,000 foot overview of the first three are like this. Number one, identify what you've let master you. Number two, confess it. And number three, answer Christ's invitation to trade your yokes for his. Let's walk through them in detail. Number one, identify and assess and pray about what you've let master you. Are you yoked to pleasing self? Do you have unconfessed sin? Are you after constant control or comfort or self-improvement at the expense of others? Are you yoked to pleasing people? You're looking for status, influence, material possessions, climbing the ladder. Are you yoked to trying to impress God when he's given you eternal rest already and told you you don't have to toil to win his love and approval and you've been finding yourself living in guilt and condemnation and performance? Identify what your yokes are. And once you've been able to get really honest before God, take the next step. Confess to him God, I've been letting something other than you master my heart and my thinking and my choices. God, will you forgive me? He will, and you're going to be absolutely amazed at the instant peace you feel in your heart when you do this. But don't stay stagnant by not taking action. The next thing to do is number three, answer Christ's call to trade your heavy weight of pleasing self and pleasing others to come under his light and easy yoke. How do we do this? By knowing God so well letting him get so close that you trust him to provide the rest you've been so desperately trying to get for yourself. 
That is absolutely key. Answer Christ's call by doing what Romans 6 says and offering every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. That looks like surrender. That looks like not trying to straddle the fence in your heart, having one foot on one side and one on the other, but wholeheartedly following that first of the Ten Commandments, having no other gods before your Savior and your Master and your Teacher. But you're not done yet, and that's a good thing. You need to get to work learning under Christ's gentle teaching. That's number five, the final step. But in the meantime, while you're making this life-altering shift from serving masters of self and sin to serving Christ in freedom, you're going to feel burned out from time. You're going to feel burned out from time to time. And rest in all of its different forms is going to look pretty tempting. So number four, before you indulge, first take it to the Lord. We're going to look at each of the ways the world tells us to rest in our next broadcast and see if they're biblical, see if they're the rest that God designed us to have. And then personally, we're going to check our motivation behind each one before stepping into it. And then I just want to touch on number five before we wrap up today. Like I mentioned, we need to learn how to live in the freedom of this new yoke with Christ. It's not something that comes naturally to us. So we need to come under his teaching to learn who he is, how he works, and how we can work beside him. We need to get really practical about what this looks like because trust me, it's going to be a game changer for your life and your marriage. We will find the balance that we're looking for and no longer will it be for our own selfish purposes and we will find true rest. If you're willing to go through these steps, the shift to true rest has begun, but your heart and therefore your life aren't going to change all at once. Jesus knows that. So he's going to gently and humbly lead you through a lifelong process of letting him be your savior, master, and teacher. We're out of time, but I want to put one more thought out there for you to consider. Remember Romans 6.19. We read that earlier. It says, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. That's sanctification, my friends, looking more like Jesus as we surrender our yokes of self even future yokes of sin and temptation. That's what this is all about. It's true heart change. And we pray this week as you do the homework of following those first three steps that Tracy talked about of those five, that it makes getting the true rest that Christ intends for us to feel within reach because it is within reach. There is hope for change. And I don't know if you can see it yet, but making this shift is actually going to change every area of your life. Your husband or your wife could probably name each and every yoke you're under in less than a minute. Whatever it is that we're allowing to master us, whatever is ruling us other than God, well, that tells us what we're yoked to. You know, the people that we are closest to not only know our masters, but we demand all the time that they obey our masters too. So when we only have one master, when it's Jesus Christ, that means they only have to answer to him as well. That, my friends, is a marriage game changer. So as you go through the first three steps of the five that Tracy outlined this week, be humble enough to go to your spouse to ask them to help you to see the blind spots, the areas in your life that you're not recognizing are burning you down. Then join us next week as we continue in this series on burnout, learning how Jesus teaches us to walk in freedom and true rest.
vows to keep as a not-for-profit marriage ministry designed to bring God's encouraging truth to the marriages of our area. If you are unable to donate your time or abilities, but would like to help support Vows to Keep financially, visit VowsToKeep.com and click on the donate link. Fiction isn't just for entertainment, even though one of my favorite things to do is read a good book. Fiction with a purpose allows you to journey with the characters and come out on the other side changed more into the image of Christ. And that's exactly what I want for you as you read my trilogy, Roots Run Deep. These historical romances are fun and fast-paced, but I also know that as you turn that last page, your heart will be changed because you'll know more deeply your Heavenly Father's heart for you. Go to VowsToKeep.com for all the details. This program is sponsored by Vows to Keep of Zanesfield, Ohio.